From the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Hey, how are you? I hope you enjoy this episode with Larry Izzo. I think you will. Some pretty good stories in there. Also, I want you to watch tonight's Crime Report on Compound. That's at 8 o'clock tonight. No, listen, no, normally I don't bring stuff like this up, but, you know, it's different times. Very unfortunate death. The NYPD. Detective Ray Hebert passed away from the China virus. COVID-19. He survived by two small children and his wife, Ray Hebert. He was a a 19-year veteran of the NYPD, currently assigned to Queen's Special Victims. Great cop, a great friend, and uh, they need your support. You know, wife and two small kids. So do what you can. There's a GoFundMe link at crimereport.nyc if you can do anything. That that would be uh, appreciated. So enjoy the show. And uh, talk to you later. I thought I was going to die. A woman did. Uh, she was at a Manhattan ATM, and she didn't go to the hospital over fear- fears of coronavirus. So that's really something to think about when the hospitals are more scary, you know, than the muggers. Uh, joining me now is Larry Izzo from the Thrill of the Kill podcast. How you doing, Larry? Hey, Pat. How are you? I'm Thanks great. for having me on. Hey, hey. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, that last episode, most recent episode of Thrill of the Kill podcast, very entertaining. Uh, uh, with, uh, Neil? <laughs> the stories that you guys were telling. <laughs> you had a guy with uh, flies coming out of his nose. Yeah, in a uh, funeral at, parlor. In yeah. a funeral <laughs> parlor. How did you fix that problem? I don't think you quite went into I guess you you used something. I can't. It, no, no, we didn't use anything. The only thing I could do was get rid of the flies in the room. But I and I and I put a bait in for that, which was a granular bait, which we hid in certain areas, and the flies would be attracted to it, like in his it. nose and his ears. No, 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 no. We uh, couldn't treat the body. So what I did was I just told the embalmer to just stick uh, formaldehyde up the, his nose uh, because I, that would be uh, a cure all right there. The formaldehyde would kill the flies. Oh, I'm sure that he figured. Like, well, actually, you know what? We already do that anyway, so no problem. Exactly. <laughs> I, you know what you could have done, Larry, though? I mean, this is just a thought. Now, I'm always I'm a, I'm a simple-minded person. I don't know about uh, your fancy baits or, or know from your fancy pesticides. I, uh, you Couldn't you just put a fly strip uh, just right around his nostrils there? <laughs> yeah, to, I could have let it hang off his chin. To, well, actually, no, to that... close <laughs> I was thinking just, just right across the nostrils to close them in, you know. <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of hard though, Pat, when you got a viewing going on. You know what I mean? Right. You have to distract everybody from well, the, the body fan- for a moment. Yeah, yeah. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not. This business isn't easy, Pat. I, it, I'm sure that it. I'm sure that it isn't, wasn't, and uh, never shall be. Although exactly. some great uh, technological steps forward always. Now a Manhattan bugging, mugging victim, like I was saying, uh, the 59 year old woman. Now she refused to take a trip to the. Uh, to the hospital, uh, she she left she was left battered and bruised. So I mean, it, it was a physical attack, but she uh, she didn't want to be treated. She figured that, and really, I don't blame her. You know, what I mean, uh, she she says I was scared to go of going to the hospital because of all that's going on with the coronavirus, and I wanted to go, but I was scared at the time. And I, I guess it makes sense because, you know, what's a couple of bruises? You'll get over that, you know. But but you should definitely go to the police. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 well, maybe it wasn't a couple of bruises, you know, and it could have been internal bleeding or whatever as well. But uh, I don't blame her for not going to the hospital. I mean, you know, you're liable to come out with something worse and not come out at all. You know? Well, you, you'd want to stay up all night, though, for fear of, like, if you've got a concussion, you know, you're not supposed if you go to sleep, you might never wake up. I mean, I, I saw that on a movie the other day, and... Uh, it's uh, Shortcuts. You ever seen that Robert Altman yes. movie? Yes, I have, yeah. Yeah, what did you think of it? I thought it was pretty cool. It was an interesting film, wasn't it? Like kind of yeah. all over the place. This woman is is no spring chicken. Uh, she and her seventy five year old husband uh, moved into the neighborhood three decades ago. They were never a victim of any crime all through those years until this brisk spring evening. She's fifty nine. Wow. Married to a seventy. That's about right. I'd say you you support that age separation, right? Oh yeah, I would have went for younger myself. Oh, seventy. I'm sorry, seventy five year old uh, husband on Park Avenue South. She took out the cash from the ATM, placed the money and her wallet back into a purse slung over her shoulder, and as she turned to walk away, her assailant seemed to rise up from the sidewalk outside. Wow. 
He was a demon from hell, apparently. He just right out of the concrete, huh? That is pretty scary. I, 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 wow. Demanded the purse, and he motioned to a bulge in his jacket. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we, we'll, we'll find a way to turn bulge uh, into a, a joke, I'm sure, at some point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, I guess his jacket must have had an erection, huh? <laughs> or his dick was big enough <laughs> to go up to his jacket. He had his jacket wrapped around his waist. That's when he was doing that look, <laughs> which is also not aged well. Uh, oh, this woman, uh, now, oh, they have her photo right here. Uh, 59 years old, punched and choked during this mugging. Uh, she's an Asian woman named Louisa, which is interesting. Or maybe she's not Asian, but maybe Mexican, and sometimes a Mexican individual will have that sort of quality where they have an Asian look. I, I don't really know. But uh, her, her, really, none of that matters. You know, I mean, she's uh, a victim of a crime and uh, 59 years old. He started punching her uh, right after he punched. He, 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 he pointed to the bulge and then he started punching her. Hmm. Now, I wonder if, if, if it was just like, give me the money. Here's the bulge. And then he like he was trying to maybe he was you know you ever see this like where you point in one direction and then you punch uh with <laughs> like, yeah. you don't think at that point you necessarily have to keep keep your eye out for the right you know exactly but one hard blow to the head knocked her to the floor it says uh, where the assault continued he wrapped his hands around her neck jesus christ that's a long way to go just to get a little money a little atm money you know wow kicking me he was choking me that's hard to do at the same time too to choke mm. somebody and kick them at the same time is you need some long arms or some short legs. Some short legs. <laughs> <laughs> he was choking me and kicking. He was kicking me and choking me. I said, stop it, stop it. There's a camera. But he wouldn't stop. I thought I was going to die. I mean, like, uh, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, you'd start to fear for your life if you can't get any oxygen. This is a well, horribly... Somebody's got, their, somebody's got their hands around your throat. It could get a little difficult to breathe, you know? Yeah, 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 it does. It, it's almost as if it was intended to, to make her feel that way. I, it would very much compromised my uh, integrity as a journalist to blame a victim ever. But I'm wondering, she was at the ATM and it had to be at night. I suppose it's, well, it was 5.15 in the afternoon. So you're not really uh, safe right now in, in broad daylight uh, on Park Avenue South or anywhere in the city. There's no, There's not enough people around to uh, to make a difference, you know? I mean... Right, right. I mean, because I don't know how many New Yorkers get involved with a fight that they see or a robbery in progress that they see. Maybe a lot of them. I don't know. But, I mean, especially if somebody is, uh, you know, strangling a lady on the street, then there might be a good chance that somebody would say, hey, what, what did, what's going on here? <laughs> At least, exactly. right? But, uh, you know, they're not around. It's, it's desolate out on the streets of Manhattan right now. So. And the criminals know it, man. Yeah, they feel it. Desperate times, too. That very desperate times, very desperate, because a lot of them are just recently unemployed and they're economically forced into into criminal activity. I don't think that's true. You know, you can rob somebody without uh, choking them to death. And there is exactly. a camera, and the cameras are everywhere. Says uh, she wasn't sure how long the attack lasted, how long she spent lying on the floor <sighs> after the mugger bolted with her purse, like like uh, a lot of people was kept. Uh, much of her life in her in the bag, her credit cards, her ID, her iPhone, more than $200 in cash. Well, she was just going to an Indian restaurant, for Christ's sake. Maybe she was planning on picking up the tab. She soon limped around outside looking for help, asked two guys on the street to call police, and then the officers arrived. She said they rode around for some time looking to see if uh, she could spot the suspect. So, look, that's true. If, if you have committed a crime, you want to get off of the street as soon as possible. And Immediately. Yeah, yeah, the guy knew. <laughs> Otherwise, you're an idiot. They asked if she wanted to go to a hospital. Uh, declined. Really scared about exposure. So uh, she went home to recover with her husband in nearly 38 years. It's funny that they, they will manage to get a corona. I understand there is a corona element of the story. It could be reported. But, I mean, like, really the headline, you know? I mean, it doesn't. I don't know if that's really the most important uh, they, they might also say, uh, you know, a lockdown, uh, you know, gives criminals room to spread out a little bit. Right. Yeah. Well, they're not locked down, you know. <laughs> oh, no, they're not locked down. At all. In fact, they're out of lockdown. You know, many of them are, are experiencing freedom for the first time in, in some years. Yeah, absolutely. As they uh, basically just 
tip over the the jails and shake them out like a like an empty bag of lays, you know. Unbelievable. And then all these crumbs come out and get into your sheets. And hit a little old lady. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fifty nine. She probably object to being called a little old lady, but uh, you know, <laughs> we both know that's why she is. I'm I'm just not convinced that I should be more concerned about that guy getting coronavirus than I should be about this woman getting strangled by the guy who you know has been living in a coronavirus petri dish as they say <laughs> for 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 however long you know what i mean it could it could be uh, quite a while we we've seen people come out and commit more crimes right away one guy came right. out yeah there was one guy who who got out uh who had had beaten up his girlfriend uh while he was on parole and so he was locked up for that they let him go you know and then he tried to rob a bank is a different guy, a career thief, uh, Daryl Nazer, 25 years old. Okay, so he was busted April 6th for uh, allegedly breaking into a closed newsstand. And he was released Wednesday morning without bail. He was arrested again Wednesday night on drug charges. They're trying to pass it now. They, they want to tweak this uh, criminal reform bail thing and so that the, the judges have a little bit of uh, latitude, you know, latitude. To, to notice things like, well, this guy has, I've seen this guy three times in the last four days. Uh, and they can make decisions based on that. It would be an improvement. I don't know that it's going to solve a, the whole problem here. But really, the problem is is much deeper than that. You know, it's this it's it's the idea behind all this that this is something that we need to care about. You know, that that we should really be intensely concerned about the well being of of uh, individuals like that. That they are regular tax paying individuals. Great people happen to find themselves accused of a crime. I mean, there's innocent people. We just don't know. And because they're poor, they can't make bail. And so they have to, to sit and wait for their trial. And that's just a, that narrative is not uh, accurate. It, it just is not accurate. No, that's all going to go to crap anyway. Well, sooner or later, you know, we're all going to have to leave, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How about this? A pair of crooks smashed their way into a grocery store in Violin, Brooklyn, and stole the deli's cash register along with three dozen Red Bulls. You got to keep your energy up, you know. Uh, one of the thieves appeared to don a highly sought-after N95 mask, according to video. And uh, the two bandits broke through the glass door of the JNN Deli Grocery Market on Ocean Avenue. That's uh, near Avenue U, around 7.40 p.m. And then they, they took the cash register. It's funny, they had to break through the glass door at 7.40 p.m. For, for a deli grocery market. That's because, I guess, that market has to close very early. Sometimes the, these businesses just aren't doing anything late at night. And they subject themselves then to the crazies, you know? I mean, I guess they would rather not be there when these guys show up to rob the place. Well, either that or maybe the owner had corona. Oh, the owner the had corona. <laughs> the owner had corona. <laughs> surveillance video from... That could that very well could be, too. Uh, surveillance video shows the thief uh, who removed the register. He wore, like, what looked to be an N95 mask. Covers much of his face. So they... they you know, I, I've heard some people say, I saw somebody tweeting about this, that like, well, I am not go I, going to the store with like a, a handkerchief tied around my face. I can't do that because I'm a black man and, you know, it would be too risky, you know, because he now, feels that Imagine he going in with a mask and a bulge. I mean, you know, that's... <laughs> You got a mask and a bulge, you yeah, know. A mask and a bulge. You're... You've got a date to the prom, don't you? You're gonna get whatever the guy's got, you know. <laughs> but it says here, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I if you if, now that we have people robbing people in N95 masks, I wonder if that's going to be. Uh, I wonder if that will become a trend, you know, as a, as a disguise. And and I just imagine what the Halloween costumes will be this year. The themed, you know, because often people do like to do. You know, there's not enough. Right. People doing Dracula anymore, you know? That's over. Yeah, it's like that That hasn't been the, the conversation for a while. And, and, and monsters, just regular-ass monsters, you know? But they want, uh, they, they always do, they do something trendy a lot, and this, is, this will be the trendy thing. So people will be dressed as the coronavirus itself, uh, <laughs> I imagine. You know, those little... Yeah, those little red things. They look like mines. They look yeah, like... they look like hot ventricles. Just all put together. Yeah, so that that's that guy's story. That is... Uh, very interesting. Some they had the, the owner had corona. They had the, the owner had corona. The owner had corona. 
the coronavirus and they closed the store. Closed the store. The owner had corona. Somebody had given the owner had corona. Somebody had given the owner had corona. Somebody had given the owner had corona. The owner had corona. They closed the store. The owner had corona. The owner had corona. The owner had corona. The coronavirus and they closed the store. Uh, on NYPD, the the NYPD brass, uh, and this is reported in the Daily News. I, I, I'm going a little Daily News heavy on this episode and previous. I don't know why. Uh, just uh, sometimes uh, it just goes that way. The headline says NYPD brass won't require officers to turn in colleagues for racially biased policing. Now, it's making a big leap there. First of all, the, the headline assumes that any NYPD officer can say with any certainty what will be called racial profiling because right. they they clearly you know are bending over backwards to to try and accommodate what what some people feel it, it, the concept their concept of racial profiling you know i mean it's it's difficult to keep up with i think you know what i mean it all uh, gets very confusing, man. Well, it, it really does. And it, it's a uh, police brass uh, into the story. They've rejected an NYPD inspector general's recommendation. So it comes from the NYPD inspector general that cops be required to turn in their fellow officers if they witness racially biased policing. So it's not even if they if they get involved with a suspect or something like that or rough somebody up or, you know, because I'm pretty sure they're required already to report that sort of a thing. I can't imagine that they wouldn't be if somebody is, you know, jeopardizing the integrity of a case by, you know, yeah, it's just it's smart police work. You know, you right. can't let that continue. But I think this is if they just are saying like uh, just, just policing in any way without any arrest. They're just in the car together. You know, uh, besides setting aside a suggestion requiring cops to report their colleagues sus- suspected biased well, actions. That's another thing. You got the code of blue. You know, you got the blue shield. Yeah, I mean, protect each other as well, you know. Just, just like Jews, you know, just like well, just like it's like birds of a feather. Anybody, you know, th- there might have been a time in my life when I was younger when I would have thought that was an issue, but now I say, you know, nobody else has their back, so they have to have each other's back. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 bad. Uh, so besides setting that as a suggestion aside. Uh, the NYPD also declined the suggestion from the IG that uh, it more aggressively investigate officers' alleged use of offensive or derogatory language associated with an individual's actual or perceived protected status, <sighs> such as racial slurs. Okay, hmm. that's a, that's a mouthful. Uh, you know, they they. <laughs> uh, could aggressively investigate officers' alleged use of offensive or derogatory language. They want to open investigations on people who they go, this guy called me a faggot. And it so happens I'm not gay, but I could see where I would be perceived that way. <laughs> we used to call faggots all the time. And well, you didn't have to be a faggot. You, it meant like more like somebody was afraid to like uh, get involved in something, or you know, you didn't have the balls enough to do it. You know, similar to a faggot, right? Similar yeah. to a faggot, but yes, <laughs> but it didn't actually mean gay at that time, right? When you call somebody a faggot, it, it doesn't mean that you're calling you're gay. them gay. No, it means Correct. you're you're saying that you're, they're you're that they're faggot like. They're faggot like. Right. They're acting like a gay person. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> like, like without you know, actually saying you're a gay faggot. <laughs> right, it's a difference, huge delineation. But he knows what you mean. <laughs> yeah, he believe me. Uh, I think that wow, protected status is is the word that kind of uh, the term there that that that's a little surprising to me that they would uh, that they would throw that in there. You know, I mean, protected yeah. protected status. status. I don't. I, is that what we've come to? Is that it's a protected? Sta- it's not like being a minority or whatever they call it. It's just a protected status because, you know, we, it's along the guidelines of the uh, all those acts that say you can't discriminate against somebody because of their this, their that, their you know, their religion, their race, their uh, their gender, sex, all these things. Uh, wherever this is, I think it's in the Civil Rights Act, and so they extrapolate a lot of law from that, and it's essentially become like a. 
a de facto second constitution, which negates part of the other one. Right, right. Because because now they stretch the meaning of words like discriminate. You know, well, what? How did? How were they discriminated against? Well, calling somebody something like that is discrimination. Uh, and you go, well, okay. And then you get a, a court rules on it. Next thing you know, uh, the law has outstripped uh, free speech. But uh, well, that's what's happening. Pat. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that's how it's happening. Now, uh, when an officer is accused of using a racial slur. Uh, the NYPD typically refers the case to the city's Civilian Complaint Review Board, which we've talked about here before, the CCRB, which would probe the officer's use of, quote, offensive language, but wouldn't invest- investigate the slur as an instance of biased policing. So I guess that's what they uh, were trying to do is lump this language in with bias- biased uh, policing. And it says in, in, in rejecting that recommendation, uh, on the handling of slurs, the NYPD said that in some cases, such offenses are are already covered by CCRB investigations. Uh, racial slurs by themselves do not constitute bias policing. I think that's reasonable. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, because you can you can have uh you know your your way of speaking, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are uh, biased or that you're you know that you're conducting a, a biased investigation or something. Right, I'm sure right, in right. some cases it might be a, an indicator, but you know, in in the real world, people still, you know, they still talk how they want to talk. Uh, you see this all the time, you know, like uh, the cops use a lot of swear words when when they, uh, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll because I'll shoot you, motherfucker. Get down, motherfucker. They say motherfucker a lot. They tell guys exactly, to get down. Exactly, but that's intimidation. That's the, you know, the more they yell, the more they in- intimidate, the more they curse. It's supposed to intimidate the criminal. Right, yeah. Meanwhile, the criminal's yelling back, I ain't getting down, motherfucker. <laughs> right, yeah. Not not so intimidated by motherfucker anymore. Right. Interesting, yeah. I mean, I, I bet there was a time when they were shocked. That was shocking. You know, I don't know when, because, I mean, like you see, I guess movies uh, are, are not accurate representations. But, you know, there, there has to be a, a, t- a point in the past where there really was, like, officer-friendly who uh, would never use such language because it does not, it doesn't appease the dignity of the uniform, you know? Well, Jesus Christ, I grew up in Brooklyn, and I got to tell you, in the 60s and 70s, n- the cops talk to you, you know, decently, and then, you know, I never really heard them say, you know, uh, get up against the wall, motherfuckers, you know. Uh, I never heard that, you know. And right. We've been putting up against the wall quite a few times, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the loitering and shit, you know. Back in the back in the out, day, burning yeah. dog shit on somebody's stoop, you know, it was something stupid like that. You know? Yeah, and you did it when they were on vacation, so it wasn't even to make them stomping out. Exactly. It was just <laughs> no, no, we did it while they were home. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, yeah, by the way, the I, the IG's office uh, made several suggestions in the wake of a scathing last June. Uh, I guess it was supposed to be a scathing report from last June, uh, but the uh, the IG's office uh, made these suggestions because the department did not substantiate any complaints of biased policing in, uh, for the past five years. Uh, not a single one. Um, to me, that seems uh, like a good thing. Sure. If you, but the, but they're saying we don't trust you because uh, you're not substantiating any complaints. There hasn't been any biased policing in five years. And you want to go, well, what city do you think you're living in here? You know, I mean, like, you get fired really quickly. You're, there's a lot of video being taken. I mean, there's a lot of police actions that occur in New York City because it's, you know, eight and a half million people. But, I mean, not substantiating any of these complaints. I've, I mean, to me, you have to believe your policeman. You know, you have to believe the... Uh, you have to... You have, you have to. to believe the, the authority. And, and, you know, I mean... If you're looking at criminals that are uh, repeat criminals as well, uh, you know, I would take the word of the cop. Yeah, oh, I would definitely take the, the word of the cop over any criminal, but I would definitely also take it over the IG. I think it's a, the the inspector general there is a pain in the ass uh, who, <laughs> hey, maybe they're yeah. great people. What do I know? But uh, <laughs> I, I don't love the uh, recommendations. We found that the, the department has agreed with or implemented uh has agreed with or implemented more than 75% of its overall recommendations on a number of topics. So normally, when the inspector general says, okay, I want you to do this, three out of four times they say, fine, okay? Since 2015, three out of four times they, they go, they will, they'll go along with it, right? But in this case, 
it doesn't mean, you know, you can't trust that statistic to mean, to mean like, well, I guess we could just tell them to do anything and they'll do three out of four. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the way it, it means. Like maybe, maybe the, the, the recommendations were somewhat more reasonable. Uh, the department made several changes since the report, including uh, new training requirements, new procedures on how it handles reaching out to people making complaints. Also, they stand by their efforts to tackle bias. I, I can't imagine a police department, a police force, you know, any organization, any organization tackling uh, this supposed problem, which, you know, I mean, I think it's been blown out of proportion a little bit, any harder than they have. I mean, they've they've made big I'm changes. Sure, sure. In, the, in the past, you know, 20 years, they have, for sure. <laughs> Get up against the wall, motherfuckers. So, uh, how's your health, Lair? The health is good so far. You know, we're just hanging out, quarantining ourselves, and uh, I go outside and I see stupidity, and I just go back in the house. Yeah, yeah, it's out there. <laughs> it's out there, man. And you know, when you're up a little bit, like you know, in age, you start to get a little uh, crazy with some people. You know, yeah. But uh, I mean, you're going into supermarkets uh, and people are just not protecting themselves. They got their kids running all over the place, coughing, hacking. Uh, it's just laughable. It's laughable. The virus has moved kind of uh, strongly in the direction of the island and, uh, well, both islands, Staten and Long. Yes, and Suffolk County has gotten hit and Nassau has gotten hit pretty hard uh, and it's growing rapidly out here. It would have been nice if Nassau was kind of a, you know, served as like sort of a, a break there. Like a border. Uh, yeah, but uh, they did not absorb and uh, push through to Suffolk, which uh second largest county in the United, in, in, not in the United States, but in New York State, Suffolk Correct. County. Beautiful, mysterious, large Suffolk County. And, and what happens is a lot of the people came from Manhattan, you know, the people in the Hamptons are crapping out because all the people that have summer houses said, let's go out there. We'll get away from the city. And that's what's happening. And everybody who uh, has a friend with a summer house was like, so uh, you got room for one more? Yeah. We're going to yeah. be on lockdown for a while. Why not get out of the city? And I don't blame them, but it's it's too bad that they transported it, what, what is it, 20 miles 40 miles. I don't, I don't think anybody knew how serious this was. You know? No, and but yeah, it, I, I, they also projected it to be much worse than it has actually been. You know, I mean, like in New York, it's been pretty bad, but, uh, you know, they were predicting, you know, millions of deaths potentially. It didn't take anything into account as far as like social distancing. It's like if we do nothing. I think it was a lot of scare tactics, too, to keep the idiots home that didn't believe anything was going on. Uh, right, uh, and I don't mean to make light of that. I think, but they had to scare some people into doing it, you know. Right. Uh, well, I mean, if in, they if the scare. comedy clubs were not closed, I would be in one of them doing something. I know that. Uh, if I was if I was scheduled to work, I would be there, and you know, I would. No, no well, question. Well, if it about was it. an essential business, yeah, probably, you know. But uh, <laughs> oh, you don't. Have I to, think it's essential. You don't have to go there. <laughs> I think it's essential. You got to make people laugh at times like this. Yeah, okay, that's more like it. Yeah, I think so too. I, I, no, no, I wasn't making light of comedy, making it like it wasn't essential. I think I, it is essential. I, I, I don't, I'm not. I mean, apparently it's not. But you know what it is—a bike shop up the street. They're open for business. How is that open? And Popeyes is closed. This shit needs to end. It, 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 you're absolutely right. I mean, some of the stuff is 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 absolutely crazy. Your phone stores are open. Your Verizon centers are open. I mean, a, a lot of things are. You know, like Macy's is closed. Probably. Well, know? yeah. I think the Citibank call centers. They're definitely. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you that they're they're in business right now. Uh, right. Saying, hey, uh, about your card, how about some money? Yeah, right. It's not that I don't have the money. I just don't feel like it. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> I don't feel like it. I'm waiting for a subsidy. Yeah. Subsidization. So, uh, okay, I'm, I'm glad to hear things are all uh, smooth up there on, uh, on, on Long Island. Now, down in Staten Island, uh, we had, wow, how about this? You know, you hear about this happening. But uh, here's an actual case of it. An NYPD cop about to ticket a speeding driver on a Staten Island highway quickly shifted gears when he realized that the man's wife was minutes away from having a baby. NYPD highway uh, police officer Adam May was looking out for speeding cars along the uh, Brooklyn-bound side of the 
uh, Staten Island Expressway. When uh, yeah, he spotted this uh, Toyota Camry going close to 100 miles an hour. Well, you have to pull them over. Driver had a pretty good reason for going so fast. Wife was about to give birth. Couples rushing to the to the hospital there. We don't all have a police escort now, do we? So so what did they do? Give him a ticket or help well, him get to the hospital? I'm sure, I'm sure he wrote him the ticket and said, well, l- let me just write it quick. Uh, <laughs> she was visibly in distress, holding her stomach, doing breathing exercises. And the head was coming out of the vagina, so... He it, figured, yeah, it was crowning, yeah. and so uh, we figured, oh, okay. Well, definitely recline your seat, number one. Uh, they say no traffic stop uh, is the same, and this proved it, uh, according to this. That's what the officer said. Realizing the baby could come any second, he ordered the husband to pull over to the side of the road and alerted emergency responders, but was told that there could be a delay because of all the coronas calls. The coronas. Oh, you fucking coronas. <laughs> well, uh, this guy was a former EMT. Uh, May and he had experience delivering babies, so that's so he knew, he knew he, the deal. He knew what he had to do. He said her, her water broke. We lowered the passenger seat so that she could lay down. What did I just say? <laughs> and uh, yeah, he we could tell that that he that she was crowning. Wow! So it was right then. He tells you. Wow. I said, "Okay, lay down. Let me look at your pussy." <laughs> he might, I hope his bedside. And he gets a day man. off. I, the cops used to get a day off for delivering a baby. They should get a paid a paid day off and a cigar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my uh, a friend of mine was born in the house, and uh, she had two cops come up. They got there after the baby was delivered, and uh, her mother just said, "Hey, eh, you know what? You can take the picture and get the day off." And the two cops got the day off with pay. Nice. Yeah. But it says here, uh, the officer then drove the couple to the hospital after they delivered the baby, seven pounds six ounces. It's weird they had a scale right there in the fucking Camry. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that, that maybe was that, for all the that's for all the drugs they uh, confiscate. Probably <laughs> it must have been in the squad car. Yeah, they, they drove to the hospital with one hand pinching the umbilical cord to prevent further bleeding. As the husband and wife sat in the back seat, wow, that's a cop. I was going to say, what a man. What the husband do? <laughs> well, he's, he's probably sat there turning green, going like, I was not going to be present for this. <laughs> exactly. Truly above and beyond, according to Dermot Shea. He's the police commissioner, as you know. Sergeant uh, DeMonte followed in the squad car. That's a, that's a guy who came for backup. And, uh, yeah, like they cleared a path. To, to their surprise, cops were cheered by doctors and nurses as they walked in. They put music on the loudspeaker and everything. You could hear it from outside. It was pretty overwhelming. Got me all <laughs> choked up, said May. <laughs> Have all the doctors and nurses doing this after everything they've been through. It meant a lot. Well, there's a happy story, and that's a positive cop story. And uh, It is. Right there from the New York Daily News. I mean, when it's a really good story, they just can't resist, I guess, you know. And Well, they're getting a lot of positive press now, the cops, the doctors and nurses. I mean, all those guys deserve a tremendous amount of credit for what they're going through and just keep going back into the fire, man. It's Yeah, oh, yeah, they certainly do, you know. Although, uh, you know, you do still see, like, I, I have... In the intercept, there was a story that they carried that said that cops and their aggressive policing may be spreading coronavirus. <laughs> but there's nobody on the streets. <laughs> oh, there are in some neighborhoods. Apparently, I mean, this was uh, just it was pointed at them for be I guess biased policing. You know, because they uh, so now they're going to blame the cops for spreading the coronavirus for spreading the coronavirus, the coronavirus. with their. Aggressive policing. Aggressive policing. Well, you, they're trying to enforce the stay home order, and so um, when they do that, they, and the guy goes, "Fuck you!" Well, this is our neighborhood. We're not going to. Then what's the next step? You got to take action. You can't have somebody say "fuck you" to the cop. You know. Yeah, you see that happen, but they do. I mean, if they're not going inside, you have to make them go inside. Uh, I mean, you can't have them win. They can't win. It's just like it's just like Eric Garner when he goes, "No, uh." Uh-uh. This ends today. No more. Right. They go, fine, fine. Right. We were arresting you unnecessarily anyway. Uh, we'll just go. <laughs> right. It doesn't work that way. They're going to win. That's it. I mean, you're what? they're just praying that they get another call or something? I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah, like something to get them out of that stupid situation. Yeah, it's not going to happen. This is a story that... Uh, that, that will shock and disturb you. A pantsless weirdo demanded sex from a Queens woman as he robbed her at gunpoint. Now, this is this goes a step beyond the gun and the bulge, you know. 
This is a... Well, he had the bulge and the gun, obviously. Well, I guess if you don't have pants on, then you can't tuck it in there, and there's no place to put the bulge. (laughs) That's right. The 41-year-old victim was walking home uh, at Shore Avenue and Princeton Street in Jamaica, Queens. Beautiful Jamaica, Queens. Beautiful, safe Jamaica, Queens. Around 10 p.m., when a man with his pants down at his knees and holding a gun approached her and insisted she perform oral sex on him. Or, or you know, if, if you can't do that, at least... <laughs> <laughs> he grabbed her neck, forced her head toward his private area. The woman screamed, and the creep grabbed her purse from her shoulder and ran off. So that was his, you know, uh, consolation prize. That was his ploy. yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to act like I'm going to rape her. I'll take my pants down, and then I'll just grab her purse when she's... Not suspecting. She should look at my big dick and say, wow. <laughs> like under other circumstances, I would suck this gladly. Right. I'm sure that's what she was thinking. Right. <laughs> I wish I could suck this dick, but I got pride. Right. She let her pride get in the way of a good dick in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what these criminals are thinking. Well, she, he got away with the purse. That's too bad. And uh, I wonder if she would blow the guy to get the purse back. <laughs> that would be interesting, yeah, to find that. Right. And, you know, well, look, I—it's just a terrible thing, though. I mean, like that's—that's that's such a frightening uh, experience for that woman to have, I'm sure. And uh, you know, we've—we have talked on here in the past about would a blowjob be better or worse at gunpoint? You know, like with, with the gun pointed at her head. Uh, you know, and I—we've never been able to come. Kind of puts pressure on the woman, don't you think? It does. It does put a lot of pressure on her. But does, is it the right kind of pressure? You know what I mean? Is it the kind that's going to make her stiffen up and, and, and use a lot of teeth and forget to work the balls? Or right. is it the kind of pressure that's going to just... <laughs> is she really going to, you know, okay, fuck, let me bring it because yeah. I don't want to get shot. I don't think she's raking the balls. No, I don't you don't think, think so? <laughs> she might be thinking, I'm going to not do a good job and then he'll either get bored or, right. you know, but either way, I, I have a feeling I'm going to get shot as soon as I'm done blowing this guy anyway, <laughs> which is just as likely as not. I mean, like, you know, sure. why leave Why leave a witness, you know? But you're leaving a big mouthful of witnesses oh, there. Oh, That's yeah, the thing. You're leaving, right. You're leaving uh, semen and you're leaving, uh, right. DNA evidence. It, DNA. It, 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 it should be a very effective deterrent for these for these, uh, you know, gunpoint blowjob artists, uh, you know, out in Jamaica. But uh, that occurred. And so, obviously, a uh, terrible experience for that woman to have. And I'm sure that um, she has suffered a great deal of uh, post-traumatic traumatic stress. You know, I would think that you would be very careful about, uh, you know, walking home uh, on Shore Avenue and Princeton Street in Jamaica around 10 p.m. after that, you know. You think. Yeah, if you we, see we, a guy we, with his pants down, maybe you want to cross the street. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. Which she didn't in this case, obviously. She just was like, oh, he's fine. Yeah, he's just a normal, normal <laughs> nut. <laughs> oh, look at this. A guy, uh, this is, uh, you know, sometimes you uh, just come upon a story that you have to mention here because, like, it's got a lot of clickbait here in the... But uh, there was a guy in Canada who coughed on and licked Dorian, you know, to... I guess because, you know, people are afraid of coronavirus, right? So he licked the door. We saw a guy uh, on another vi- video licking a toilet seat to prove he wasn't afraid. A younger guy put it on, like, TikTok or something. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know. That's like the exterminator used to take the, you know, take the stuff and spray it in his mouth to prove to people that it wasn't, it wasn't poisonous. To humans, you know. Wow, and that would be the guy who's actually just spraying Seven Up around the periphery of the building, and uh, I don't know. This guy was a nut. This guy was actually at a seminar one time, and he took a can and he sprayed some shit in his mouth. Because I remember this. Oh, you did? Did you talk about this on Thrill of the Kill? We did. Yeah, we did. I think me and Neil talked about it. Oh my god. Yeah, what an idiot. A lot of wackos. Hey, why don't you eat some rat poison? See if that works. It's effective. Yeah, but it's a weight thing, right. you know? You eat, you, if you just have a little poison, you're fine. It ain't going to hurt you. Yeah, how much poison does a rat have to eat? Now, think of a good-sized rat, you know? Well, you figure about a pound, two pounds, three-pound rat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, they would probably have to eat... It, they would probably have to eat around uh, eight ounces, a nice size rat. Six. Wow. Nah, maybe even not. So that you much, have to make you know. it. You got to make it delicious. 
Yeah, well, they had all different types of taste out there. You know, they had peanut butter bait blocks. You know, they had cherry bait blocks. Who made this stuff? Purina? Uh, no, a company by the name of Eaton. Perfect. <laughs> and and, and Eaton. I got it. Eaton. E A T O N. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because I, when I first went into business, I had a garage. And I put all these boxes, I got a delivery, and like three days later, I went back into the garage, and most, I forgot that the rats were digging under the garage foundation to get into the, the boxes. To get to that rat poison, that delicious rat, rat poison. poison. That tasted so good, and I found about 30, 40 rats dead at one time. No way. Oh, yeah. yeah. 30, 40 dead rats. Yeah, we had a garage on a, on a back road in, uh, in Ridgewood, and it had a railroad next to it, so there'd be rats all up there. Uh, yeah. Right. And and why do rats, did, did they ride in the boxcars a lot, ride the rails uh, to go from town to town? Yeah, they go from town to town spreading uh-huh. their disease. But uh, No, they would just hang out and eat the garbage. Uh, and there were factories up there with garbage containers and bins and stuff like that, dumpsters. <laughs> so wait a second now. You had a, a, a supply of poison in your garage. Correct. And and which, I, I'm not I'm not sure that's entirely up to code, but whatever. And 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 they were like, well, at Man. the time it was right. It was this was the Wild West, seventies, uh, eighties, right. And and they found the smell of the rat poison and the the prospect of eating it so appealing. And they actually ate under the foundation of the garage from the outside soil area and tunneled their way up into and north through the cement which was the floor of the garage. My God. Oh, yeah. And they tunneled through. And uh, It's amazing that they can... I mean, their sense of smell is, is, is crazy good, and then their hunger is immense, and then their commitment to getting in there... Well, it was only, probably, they were probably just getting in there. You know, they, well, their, their sense of smell is unbelievable anyway. Yeah. But they were probably just getting in there uh, just to probably keep warm and stuff like that as well, you know. Oh, but once they're Arbor- in there, they're like, hey. Harborage areas that then they got in and just destroyed the place, you know. You smell peanut butter? <laughs> <laughs> I smell cherry. <laughs> that is some effective bait, you know. I mean, like, I, if you told that story to the, that Eaton company, then you, you might have been able to square yourself like a, a year supply or something of rat yeah. poison because uh, you know that's uh, that's quite a story. It does a lot to promote their product, and uh, it's uh, it, it speak, but it doesn't speak well of the intelligence of the rats. You know, like I can see the first couple being like, "Hey, well, it's a couple of dead rats laying here," but uh, I'm sure it's not connected to this food they just ate. Well, they they don't die right away. I mean, they die within a period of three to five days, seven days, something like that. Oh, so you think they all died together, like Jonestown? They died. Yeah, no, it wasn't. They used to have a product like that called 1080, and that was, uh, oh, my God, that was years ago. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the rat would stick his tongue in it and just keel right over. Man, that's... Uh... And they started with anticoagulants that they had to eat it over a period of time. or So that's why you... you Always let the environment theirs. You left it theirs. You let them urinate in it, and you didn't clean anything up. You just let them go for the bait, and they just ate the bait, and then within a period of three to five, seven days, they would be dead. Okay. Some of them would even bleed through their skin. They ate so much anticoagulant. And so is that still the stuff that uh, that they use, the anticoagulant type stuff? Yes, they still they do still use that. Now they it, use a lot more traps and snap traps that kill them instantly. Right. Know? And if you catch them live then, uh, like, I mean, besides on a glue board, but, I mean, do they... Do if they... you catch them in a cage, you would drown them. Oh, I see. You know, it was all a lot had to do with the, the the people you were treating, you know, the people's houses you were treating. People would like, you know, you can't use the glue boards that's inhumane. Uh, can't use a snap trap. Can't use the snap trap. It crushes his little head, and I don't want to see the blood. I forget who it was that said it on, on uh, The Thrill of the Kill, but he said he went to the village, and the lady said, don't use the glue boards because it's still sitting there. And he goes, well, I got a snap trap. I'll kill him right away. She goes, no, you can't use that. That's inhumane. Because right. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I had a lady in the West Village on the corner of Bleecker and Houston, a French okay, lady. Yeah. I walk in one time. She calls me. We, my company, very different is everything is word of mouth. Okay. I'm recommended. I go in and you hire me. 
So this lady calls me in, and I go down there, and I, I, I'm a little, you know, you get old, you don't want to answer questions. You know what you got to do. <laughs> right. You don't feel like telling, don't like, feel like and, talking. what's your approach to the mouse? You know, hello, mouse. So anyway, two things I, I told this lady. I knew she was nuts. She said to me, how are you going to solve my mouse problem? Uh -huh. And I said, we're going to close the holes, because you'll never find all the holes. So I said, well, we'll trap, we'll use glue traps. I don't want any glue, she says to me. I don't want any glue. They get on there, they suffer, I don't want any glue. I said, well, we'll use the snap traps, it'll kill them right away. Dead serious, she said, I don't want the snap traps. I want something different, otherwise I can get anybody to do whatever you do. I said, well, I'm going to catch one mouse. She says, well, that'll do. I said, I'm going to rape that mouse. She goes, <laughs> dead serious, she says, is that going to kill him? I says, no, but when I let him go and he tells the other mice what happened to him, it should lower the population of your <laughs> mouse situation. <laughs> she looked at me dead serious and said, I like you, you're fucking hired. You're hired. She hired yeah. me. I did her for years until for she years. closed. I'm going to rape it. <laughs> and then he'll tell all the other mice and they'll leave. And they'll leave. <laughs> I don't know what like sick that. exterminator I had on that said that. <laughs> I, as you can see, I'm fascinated by this shit anyway. It's funny, Pat. You know, the 38 years I was in, I mean, sometimes you just think of these things. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, oh, I don't, I don't, now I remember that story, you know? Yeah. It's, sometimes when you're thinking about them, you can't remember only the ones that really are out, you know, really stand out in your mind. Yeah, like the, the one with the rats running over your head, the tails hitting you, you know? Yeah, oh, or, God, that story, too, man. Oh, God. And then, or the sanitation guy batting him across the street, across Sutter Avenue in Brooklyn and East New York. Very important job, you know, you guys being sanitarians and stuff and, and making sure that everybody has a clean environment to live in, man. It's just as important, uh, in, in a sense, as uh, what the police do because you know, it's, it's, it's really, it should be a branch of the NYPD, you know? But I'd hate to see him have to, you know, have all this regulation and then like, oh, we got to let all these rats go because of coronavirus. We don't want right. them to be sick. And, well, you know, but you can see parallels there where they've almost, you know, it almost would seem like they're trying to level the playing field in favor of the rats and roaches when they get rid of certain uh, poisons like Chlordane or DDT. Uh, some of that stuff was really nasty stuff. And they had no idea, uh, they had no data, you know. As we used to actually, uh, you know, they used to use cyanide in a, in a, in a lot of these uh, burrows. Um, like, we, we lived in Glendale, Queens, and there was a Chinese cemetery up the block, and that used to leave, they used to leave pigs on the gravesite because the dead would come. Figs? Pigs, cooked pigs. Oh, pigs. Like a pig. Yeah, or, or some type of food on the grave because the dead would come out and eat the food, you know? Oh, yeah. And the next time they came back, they're like, wow, they, they must have enjoyed that, you know? And <laughs> what would happen is the rats would eat it. Of course. I know. Of course. They're sick people. I'll tell you, I don't care what you say. So what we did was we used to stuff the, the, uh, the holes. We used to pour gasoline down the holes and then get rags and stuff the and, and soak the rags in gasoline. And then we would go to each burrow and pour some gasoline down and then leave a couple of burrows open. And then we used to light, light up the burrows and the rats would go running down the blocks like you wouldn't believe. Oh, my God. That's one way to clear it. And we had a catering house uh, on my block. Man, you just to see them run from... And people used to sit on the stoop at night, you know, drinking beer and stuff in the summertime, and we would do this crazy shit. And the rats would be running down a block, and everybody would go, wow, look at this, you know? And they go running down a block, man, and just go right into the catering house dumpster. <laughs> it's funny. They all know, right? Yeah. If, anything, if any shit goes down here, go to the, the catering house dumpster. Yeah, that's right. That's where the good stuff is. That's probably where they're. Yeah, I mean, that's that's their regular dinner spot. You know, so they're just like Jesus. It's a, it's a. There's a fire. But they down would throw here. away. Don't forget, you're talking about catering houses that just had a wedding. Half the oh, people yeah. don't eat the food at the wedding. That stuff gets thrown out, and man, what a feast! It is important stuff, and it's and it's fun to listen to as well. And I, I just obviously I produce the show, you know. So I mean, I, I don't mean to sound biased, but I do listen to it a great deal. No, and I know you're fascinated by it. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to have some pretty fascinating stories in a few weeks because after this coronavirus, you know, you got a lot of food places that closed up. Oh boy. And a lot of food places that just walked away from their business and left the food and everything in there. I'm starting to hear those stories now. Oh, 
Really? Some of these guys. That stuff, forget about it. So oh, that no. is an essential business now uh, to be open. And, you know, I, I don't think that these guys love going into people's houses now, you know. So, uh, you know, but as far as a commercial establishment, it still needs to be, uh, you know, serviced. You know? Yeah, oh, Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, this will be out of control and you'll have other diseases. Funny thing is, I called the Department of Health a couple of weeks ago. And I said, you know, I just wanted to make sure, you know, you get any reports about rats carrying this coronavirus or, you know, and they said, no, absolutely not. But then I heard two tigers got it, in, uh, right? Two tigers and a lion in a Bronx Zoo. That they the were virus. making out with so, their keeper, though. That's what it was. Their trainer was. No, I understand that. But if they have it, making, making them blow on the trans- gunpoint. So. Can, they, they, can they transmit it, though? I, Could know. the tigers? Can they? Does anybody know that they can't? You know. I'm pretty sure they haven't tested that. They haven't known anything else so far, so I'm sure it's right. something that they don't know. It's something else, huh? Yeah, I don't know. So you think that maybe, well, a dog got it. Well, now, can the dog spread that to his owner? I mean, you know, you don't. Well, you know, if it's, if he has a Chinese owner, of course, you know, most of it will cook out, you know, and so they should be okay. They'll be fine. Yeah, but but as far as, like, a living dog that goes around, you know, I'm not really sure uh how, how it affects the animal community, but people need to know, I guess, if they're because people are very close with their pets. And, Absolutely. and you know, think about it your dog's walking around on the spit covered sidewalks of New York City. Exactly. Which, uh, and every then comes time home I, and licks, licks his balls and then licks your face. I mean, yeah, it's, you never know. Uh, I mean, it's, you already have a disgusting creature there, you know, just a disgusting <laughs> animal. <laughs> I don't know how people do that. I've, I've seen people just let them lick them all over their mouths and stuff. Ugh. And I'm not even talking about on porn. I mean, just like, you no, know. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, that's a, I watched my nephew do it. I'm like, what are you, nuts? Thrill of the Kill podcast, just to go back to and, and wrap it up. Uh, you, you can find it on, on iTunes and stuff. And I, I do recommend that you do, you know, because I do, I produce it, I edit it. And, I, and as I'm listening to it, I'm just like, oh, my God. So thanks for your time, Larry. Good talking to you, uh, Larry Izzo. And, uh, of course, Thrill of the Kill podcast. Thanks for having me on, Pat. All right. And, uh, yeah, stay healthy, Larry. And thank you for listening uh, to New York City Crime Report. Grab her neck. Forced her head toward his private area. I... Like, under other circumstances, I would suck this gladly. I'm sure that's what she was thinking, right? I wish I could suck this dick, but I got pride. She let her pride get in the way of a good dick in the mouth. Right, when you call somebody a faggot, it, it doesn't mean that you're calling them gay. No, it means you're, you're saying that they're, that they're faggot-like. They're faggot-like. They're acting like a gay person. <laughs> it's a difference. So came across a video of a walrus sucking his own dick. Had two and a half million views. Now there's a self-starter. Yeah.